Howdy ho, humans! Welcome to another episode of Fruity's Ultimate Game Show. Fruity's Fantastic Fun Factory. Uh, whatever you want to call it, a cheap excuse for for yours truly to slap an NWO t-shirt on a Shawn Michaels action figure. Whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, we are heading into the sixth month of fantasy booking, and with me at this time is the promoter and the head of the fantasy WWF promotion, Chris Thunderhog. How you doing, brother? It was me, Fruity. It was me all along, Fruity. Ah, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing really good this week, man. I love these shows. <laughs> As you can tell with how in-depth my booking is, I might love it a little bit too much. <laughs> like, like I may spend way too much of my spare time thinking about it. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, it's all good, man. Yeah. Um, so, I suppose, what did WCW have to bring us this month? Because WWF is going royal and going to do a King of the Ring. Yeah, so this month we got WCW Road Wild Hostile Takeover. Cool. Yeah, uh, we got the NWO in power, in full effect in WCW. Who would have seen that coming when I started this whole thing? Maybe I chose WCW just so I could do an NWO. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is um, very interesting times in my promotion. I've got a big card for pay-per-view. I'm sort of treating this like a mid-season finale of sorts because we are... At exactly the halfway point of the year, the fantasy year that is, and um, well, on my last show we had a debuting Shawn Michaels joined the NWO. That's the big bit of news, and they got their anytime, any place, anywhere contracts, and we got new tag champs, the Outsiders, new world champ Shawn Michaels. We got. Ultimate Warrior turning heel and uh, sending Sting into oblivion, and we've got uh, we've got Eddie Guerrero as number one contender for the world title. Too thick as number one contenders for the tag titles this month. Uh, what about yourself? What happened last month? Oh boy, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, last month was in our house. In our house, Jesus. Last month was in your house. Along the way to in your house, we stopped off in Berlin, Germany, where macho man Randy Savage was. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we, we couldn't have even planned that any better. Like, like, I knew you were going to Europe, but, like... I had written this show, like, full disclosure, like, a couple of months in advance. Like, there was a couple of tweaks made to it because of twists and turns, but, like, I had this world tour mapped out for a few months. Well, a few episodes, anyway. 
yeah, so as I said, Berlin, Germany to see the macho man, Randy Savage. Jeez, that's a terrible impression. Cut that. <laughs> uh-huh. A little hip-hop mixed with a little rock and roll. I like it. Uh-huh. <laughs> then over to Rome, Italy, and finally Paris, France, where Andre the Giant won the final qualifying match for the four-way European Championship match at In Your House by defeating a debuting Bruno San Martino. Yeah, I loved that. Yeah, I genuinely enjoyed that one. Onto the pay-per-view itself, uh, from Wembley Stadium in London, England, had the Brawl 4 final where X-Pac defeated Billy Gunn by judges' decision to become the hardcore champion. Mel Rath Mel Mascarez defeated Ricky Steamboat for the um, defeated Ricky Steamboat in a light heavyweight showcase match. Bruno San Martino defeated Triple H in a European rules match. The Road Warriors defeated the Hart Foundation to claim the WWF Tag Team Number One contendership. Uh, Jim Barnett then announced the King of the Ring tournament to the public, along with it being to crown the first WWF Intercontinental Champion. Immortal defeated the Funks after uh, Immortal defeated the Funks via no contest to retain the tag team championship. Booker T, the ch uh, champion, defeated Antonio Noki via pinfall to retain the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. Wendy Richter defeated China via pinfall to retain the WWF Women's Championship. And post match, she calls herself the undisputed WWF Women's Champion, which leads to a video airing showing a silhouette and stating the Queen arrives at King in the Ring, at uh, King of the Ring. Main event at Wembley Stadium for the European Championship, Andre the Giant defeats Roddy Piper, Jake the Snake Roberts, and the Iron Sheik to become the first European champion. Uh, I love that whole European division. Um, I never realised until you put this show together and I heard you rattle it all off that you have so many people on your roster that have like European heritage yeah that's why I was happy when I got <laughs> Bruno in one of the um, twist and turn uh, pick random free agents like, yeah. like oh yes I'm going to Europe I could stop off in Italy and then <laughs> have Jim Barnett come out for Andre's open challenge and say he signed someone from Italy last week yeah, that's awesome. That yeah, that works out really well. And uh, as far as far as I can think of off the top of my head, I don't think I have any Europeans on my roster. So, so yeah, you've kind of taken all the European flavor. Well, there's a couple in the free agency pool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of them I have my eye on if I get the chance. So. Watch out. Yeah, that European good old JR, Jonathan yeah. Rossman. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, you don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah. And you've got you've got like such a international flavor to your roster. And I've pretty much just got like I've pretty much just got all Americans, basically. Would you say that you have American males? American males, American males, 
American Miles. Um, I, I don't even know if this reference is going to click with you because it might be a bit before your time. But I've got a few, a fair few all American boys, all American boys. Fabulous Rougeau's theme song. Look into it. It's a banger. Aren't they <laughs> French Canadian? That's the whole thing. Like, they were being, like, patronising. They're like, oh. yeah, the whole thing was like, we don't like heavy metal, we don't like rock and roll, all we like to listen to is Barry Manilow, we're all American boys. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh. Wait. Isn't wasn't PCO part of the Rougeos? No, no. Um, so this the, was this the was uh, yeah the Quebecers. So the fabulous Rougeos was Jacques and um, I'm gonna say Pierre, but I don't think so. Hang on, I'm gonna look into this just to make sure I'm right. Another tangent on the show. Yeah, um, this might be a bit... Yeah, it's Jacques and Raymond, the Rougeau brothers, and they're legit brothers. Raymond ends up, like, getting injured and can't wrestle anymore and has been part of the French announce team since, like, the early 90s. And oh, wow. Jacques becomes the Mountie, and then later on in the mid-90s, he, he gets a tag team partner... Uh, Carl Pierre at first was his name. Uh, he later on becomes PCO. And is he the current Ring of Honor World Champion or? No, no, Roosh is. So he just lost the, the Ring of Honor World title before the pandemic, which is such a weird thing. Timing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I suppose enough. <laughs> Stuffing around, let's uh, see what WCW has to offer with Nitro. Yeah, um, all right. Uh, to get back to my notes here WCW Nitro. We are on the road, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> because we are starting the WCW uh, Spring Breakout, even though it makes no sense after Bash at the Beach. But we are continuing on a theme for the next couple of episodes of Fugs anyway. This is WCW Nitro live from Club La Vila in Panama City, Florida. Yes, it's that arena with the swimming pool surrounding the ring. As we continue the theme from Bashed at the Beach and we continue the two-month stretch to Spring Stampede. Uh, Nitro kicks off with NWO in the ring. So I have this all scripted and stuff, but it's very lengthy. So I'm just going to quickly rattle off the talking points here. The NWO is in the ring with the main, with main Jane and main Jane announces that the WCW board isn't happy that they've got a uncontracted world champion in Shawn Michaels. So they are making sure that they are not moving past this segment without having Sean sign a contract. So here's the new WCW president to sort all this out. That's right. 
our new WCW president, Miss Elizabeth, comes out. So that's a little swerve at you. <laughs> yeah, and basically they have a bit of a contract negotiation. She eventually agrees on Sean's terms. Sean's chucked in a little clause there that time he beats an opponent, they can not get another title shot for a year. And he calls it the one and done rule. Thank you very much, Rocky Monero. Rocky, <laughs> Rocky. <laughs> um, basically, yeah, there's all that sort of stuff. Um, we get the contract signing cliche. Uh, Sean th- thinks he's laughing coming out of this because he's got the most lucrative contract in WCW history. He gets that little clause he wants. But Liz is like, well, you didn't read the fine print. We got the NWO in a six-man tag next week against Eddie Guerrero and Too Thick. He's like, yeah, whatever. You got yourself a showstopper in a main event. And she's like, well, you didn't see the other clause. At Road Wild, you are going to be the main event. You're going to have a lot of time in the main event because it's going to be Eddie Guerrero versus Shawn Michaels in a one-hour Iron Man match. Wow. Yeah, then we have, like, two things. Sean gets angry, threatens to attack Liz, but Too Thick and Eddie come out, make the save. They lay out the NWO. All that sort of good stuff. Uh, There's footage from earlier today of multiple local talent trying to beat Kurt Hennig for the hardcore title via the 24-7 rule. Every time Kurt, but every single time Kurt ends up laying the person out and ends with him celebrating with some whiskey, having a couple of shots with Wyndham and Honky Tonk Band. Uh, Heenan family squashed three locals. They cut a promo about how they'll end Kurt Henning's title reign and career at Road Wild because that's a stipulation as well. Uh, if the Heenan family lose, they have to dissolve and Heenan has to give up his manager's license. Just a little reminder. Ah, yes. Um, I did have to double check that I was okay to do this with you, Chris, and you gave me the go ahead. Buddy Roberts and Jimmy Garvin are in the ring for a handicap match against the Ultimate Warrior with Mr. Fuji in their corner. Ultimate Warrior squashes both men in a couple of minutes. After the match, he beats down both men with Fuji's cane, wraps chairs around both men's neck, stomps on them both. Both men are stretched out and probably never going to be seen again. <laughs> Just completely oh, wow. killed. <laughs> um, uh, Warrior cuts a promo about how in order for him to reach his ultimate potential, he had to sacrifice those close to him. He loves Sting, and that's why he had to end him. Now there's no stopping him and his spiritual advisor. Um, AJ Lee's in the ring for a match against... A mystery opponent who is a debuting Maurice. Ooh wee. Um, AJ Lee, if <laughs> AJ Lee, if you recall, is getting a women's title rematch because of the 
the disqualification finish at the pay-per-view. She's going to be going up against later at Road Wild. AJ Lee ends up losing to the debuting Maurice after Lita lays out AJ with the title belt. Um, Kerry Von Erich cuts a promo talking about how Edge took him out with the concerto before the last pay-per-view, uh, before the last pay-per-view, and now at Road Wild, he's challenging Edge for the US title, and he's going to beat Edge and avenge his brother. Um Trish Stratus announces that at Bash at the Beach during the opening tag match, Gal Kim got injured at the hands of Laycool. But at Road Wild, she is going to avenge her friend and she is bringing in a mystery partner to face Laycool. Main event time, as previously announced in previous weeks, um, Steve Austin versus Ric Flair. This has been building up pretty much since the very first episode of Fugs, and we're doing it on a nitro. Uh, Ric Flair's music hits, but at, at, no one comes out. Camera cuts to the back, and Flair, Arn, and Tully are attacking Austin's knee. They drag him out to the parking lot. They slam the, their limo door on Austin's knee. Elizabeth comes out. She's furious. She finds Flair $50,000 for ruining her main event for tonight. She says that Arn and Tully were the rightful number one contenders for the tag titles after Road Wild. But after this, they will have to earn their spot. So at Road Wild, Arn and Tully will have to face the Dudley boys for the number one contendership. And Flair will have to finally face Austin with all members of the Horsemen banned from ringside. And that concludes week one. Oh, wow. That's a really packed first week, man. <laughs> uh, you... Yeah, sorry, dude. Oh, no. don't No need to be sorry because I've got a really packed first week as well. Well, you gotta you got to bring it hard after a pay-per-view, right? It's supposed to be before, so then you're selling into the pay-per-view, but sure, why not? <laughs> oh, you're going to have, like, the... you got to do it the week before the pay-per-view and then the the episode after the pay-per-view. That's where you bring it hard. Like, that's why Raw after Mania is such a huge draw. Well, because we forgot to mention on the wrap, the draft for the WWE is in the wrong spot. <laughs> it should either be after... Mania or after Survivor Series. Not this yeah. weird in between SummerSlam Survivor Series spot where two months from now it's going to be brand warfare again. It's like a month, like less than a month, probably. I don't know anymore. Yeah, like. Hey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anywho, speaking of Raw. That was my attempt at the Raw is War theme. <laughs> du, 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 in your eye. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> I never knew what the lyrics were until I became an adult. <laughs> I was just like, so WWF Raw is War, week one from Glasgow, Scotland, in Europe. Show opens and we're greeted by Captain Lou, who informs us due to extreme weather blocking the roadways, WWS has moved to Norwich, England tonight for Raw. 
My commentary partner, Lord Alfred, is on his way to the building after checking on family. However, I'm not alone, Billy. Please welcome to the WWF commentary team. You may have seen him last night during Sunday Night Heat at ringside as our guest judge, the legendary Gorilla Monsoon, who says, Thank you, Captain Lou. And <laughs> what can I say? But it's a happening tonight on Raw, as we're live from the site where former England manager Mike Bassett guided Norwich City to the Mr. Clutch Cup. <laughs> wow, what a reference. Gorilla's been doing his homework. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Uh, so then we go um, start the show. WWF Commissioner Jim Barnett addresses the crowd from the ramp. Firstly, thanking all for coming out to support Monday Night Raw tonight. Glasgow, we know you will be watching tonight and we're coming to you tomorrow. Right. Now on to matters at hand. This week, we are beginning our King of the Ring tournament with two qualifying matches taking place every week on Raw. Participants 1-16 to 16 have been randomly drawn bracket numbers in the order they signed up, with the first match beginning right now. So we go on to the first King of the Ring qualifying match. It is Jim the Anvil Nyhart versus Jeff Jarrett with Deborah at ringside. Good sort of under 10 minute match. Jim getting a lot of offense in. Deborah jumps on the apron. The referee's back is turned. Jeff hits a guitar shot, cleans the guitar out of the ring. Deborah jumps down. The ref turns around and counts a pin four for Jeff, who advances in the tournament. Nah, that's awesome. Uh, following the match, we cut to backstage where the Road Warriors and the Funks are arguing with WWF Commissioner Jim Barnett about Immortal being placed into the tournament. Jim Barnett states that he had already agreed to Immortal entering the tournament once they won the championships at WrestleMania if they had defended the championships twice beforehand at the next two pay-per-views, which they had. The Funks and the Road Warriors argue, argue about each being owed a tag team championship match Jim Barnett says you're both right but if you want to sell your claims at King of the Ring in a 2 out of 3 falls match I'll agree to a WWF World Tag Team Championship match where you can pick the stipulation but the losing team can't challenge for 12 months each of the teams being confident they'll be the team to walk out the victors agree and shake hands and we have our first match officially signed for King of the Ring outside the tournament matches. Wow. Um, one of your top acts. Not going to be able to challenge for a title for 12 months. I've just brought in a rule with my world title that anyone that challenges and loses can't challenge for the title for 12 months. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> another one of those things where our booking sort of aligns again. I gotta really uninstall this spyware off my laptop. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Looking over my notes before we get to the show. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, how did Coco Beware just become my world champion? I swear I didn't write that. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anywho, Billy, Lord Alfred arrives in time for the second hour of Raw. Uh, he starts saying he's thinking of everyone in the UK during the extreme weather, please stay safe. As we begin the King of the Ring qualifying match number two, Luke Williams of the Bushwhackers versus X-Pac of DX. And X-Pac is using his 
speed to his advantage around the ring where he outmaneuvers Luke for the X Factor and gets the pinfall victory here. X Pac looking strong, man. My boy. <laughs> Main he's, event of the night. He's had a good couple of nights there. <laughs> yeah, unintentionally, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, how does that work out that you're rolling the dice and X Pac ends up? Like, you you probably couldn't have scripted that better. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Um, main event of the night. Wendy Richter comes down to the ring for the Women's Championship celebration. She states, as your undisputed WWF World Women's Champion, I believe in being a role model for the next generation. I've spoken to WWF Commissioner Jim Barnett and the WWF Executive Board are allowing me an undisputed open challenge, a 10-minute tryout match against the champion. Lose and you're not getting signed. Draw and you will be offered a WWF contract. Win? <laughs> and she begins laughing. Sorry, sorry. It's not going to happen. But, but win and receive a match for the undisputed WWF World Women's Championship next week. But when you shoot at the champ, you better not miss, bitch, as the crowd cheers the champion. I thought you were going to say, as the crowd chants, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, bitch, bitch. No. (laughs) Um, As she puts down the mic and commentary is wondering who could it be. Crowd goes deftly quiet with anticipation as we hear a raven's cry. Oh, 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 stars fall from the sky. The crowd is going absolutely insane as Gorilla says, it's a happening. The crowd is insane. Lou says, will you oh. stop? <laughs> hey, if you're not going to use him, I might as well. <laughs> Lou says, oh, Billy, this is a massive hometown welcome. Glasgow's loss is certainly Norwich's gain. Lord Alfred informs us, it's Paige. (laughs) Second generation wrestler, part of the Knight family from Norwich. The crowd is absolutely electric, even just for the ring introductions. At the start of the match, Paige looks so much more confident than someone of her age. It's much more even than the champion anticipated with exchanging near falls around the five minute mark including Paige getting a very near two count. Wendy slides out to catch her breath with the fans beginning to chant, Shoes off if you hate Wendy, shoes off if you hate Wendy, shoes off if you hate Wendy, shoes off. (laughs) It is an absolutely one-sided affair. No love for the champion now, who just five minutes ago was being cheered by the crowd. Paige tries for the rampage, but Wendy manages to escape. It's now the nine minute mark. It's counter for counter, each trying their respective finishes. Wendy tries a DVD, counted. Page turner, counted. Wendy DDT, counted. Page turner, hit. 10 seconds left to cover, but Wendy's in the ropes. Drags to the center of the ring. One, two, the bell rings and the match is over. Page has taken the champion to the absolute limit on her first night, but was just one second off victory and a championship rematch the next week. There's a sign of respect from Wendy as she exits the ring and Paige is celebrating. 
hugging her family ringside before returning to the center of the ring and receives a standing ovation with the fans chanting, this is your house, as we go off the air. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you're bringing it this month, man. Woo. Um, yeah, like, like I said, if I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket, usually I do a big week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, wow. Shooting hard, man. I love that. Uh, I was a bit confused at first as to what was going on. Why was everything moved from Scotland to Norwich? And it didn't even click with me that you had Paige. I completely forgot. So, so yeah, I was was half marking out with your fantasy English fans there, to be honest. Yeah, Yeah, the thing I thought... Go on. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I really love that. That's a really great way to close the show. Um, yeah, I thought that was booked really well. The thing I thought here is, uh, how can I stop them getting to Scotland? And then once I did that, I thought, where's somewhere where they would do a house show? Norwich. <laughs> yeah. So it makes makes sense from there. We've got this venue for tomorrow. We've already set up the second ring there. Let's just go there tonight. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, week two, Nitro. Down, 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 down. Love it. Oh, man. I might use it. If I win R Block, I might just pick Tony Shivati just so I can start talking about the greatest died in the history of our great sport every week. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, yes, this is Nitro, week two, still from Club La Vila, still got a pool around the ring. Yeah, we got the pool for the entire month. Don't worry. Um, I miss the lazy ring. Oh, we'll get back there. Like, we're just having a bit of fun in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. I'll let you go on. <laughs> Um, the horsemen all come out to open Nitro. They cut a promo about their opponents of Road Wild. Edge about Kerry, leader about AJ Lee, Arn and Tully about the Dudleys, and finally Flair about Austin. But Flair gets interrupted by a camera shot of his limo backstage. Uh-oh. A monster truck comes out and repeatedly... Runs over and flattens Flair's limo. The window slowly rolls down to reveal. It's Stone Cold, by God, it's Austin, it's Austin. Who simply says, see it, Sturgis Flair, you dumb son of a bitch. Wow, that's really good. (laughs) Cut back to Flair in the ring and he is furious. He throws off his suit jacket. He's throwing his shoes at out in the crowd, he's taking his shirt off, he's elbowing his pants, he's doing all the crazy stuff, and the horsemen are trying to calm him down in the ring. Um, moving on, uh, just a bit of a chaotic opening segment. Uh, moving on, we got the Ultimate Warrior versus Terry Gordy. Uh, Warrior quickly beats Gordy, thanks to a cane shot from Fuji. From Fuji. After the match, Warrior goes to wrap the chair around Gordy's neck, 
But Michael Hayes comes out and chases him off. He grabs the mic and talks about how we will never see Buddy and Jimmy Jam in a WCW ring again because of Warrior. We probably won't ever see Sting again. He ain't letting that happen to his free bird brother, Gordy. So if you have the balls, Warrior, how about we do this one-on-one at Road Wild? Fuji smiles, laughs, and accepts for the Warrior. So we've got Hayes versus the Ultimate Warrior at Road Wild. Um, Maurice Ooh, cuts like a... Pro- yeah, something different. Uh, if you thought I was done with the Freebirds altogether, you got another thing coming. Um, Maurice cuts a promo saying because she beat the number one contender, she should be the new number one contender. Molly Holly interrupts and reminds us that three weeks ago on the last episode of Fugs on a Nitro episode, she beat AJ Lee in a match as well in her debut. So so she should be the number one contender as well. Miss Elizabeth interrupts and announces that it'll be Maurice versus Molly Holly at Road Wild with the winner facing the women's champion at the following month's pay-per-view WCW Spring Stampede. Um, Hulk Hogan comes out and cuts a promo saying that now that Flair is no longer champ, he can challenge for the title again, brother. And he wants the champ at Spring Stampede next month. Out comes Mankind, who says that he was so close to being the number one contender and has asked Miss Elizabeth for a second chance. She agreed, but he... He needs to earn his second chance. So Road Wild will be Mankind versus Hogan for the number one contendership. Uh, we're loading this card, buddy. <laughs> wow. Do you say Mankind and Hogan? Yeah. I don't think that, that's ever happened. That's what I was just about to say. Did that ever happen like at a pay-per-view in the Fed or WCW? Uh no, I think the closest it ever got to happening, I can't believe I'm saying this, is TNA. Oh my god, Ho- it happens again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't think this match has ever happened in any form or fashion. Um, they've had a few promos together in TNA, but that's about it. So moving on, uh, we've got Kerry Von Erich versus a local talent. Kerry wins quickly with the Texas Tornado Punch. After the match, Edge tries to sneak attack Kerry Von Erich, but it fails. Kerry lays out Edge with the Tornado Punch. Uh, Trish Stratus beats Layla by disqualification after Michelle McCool gets involved. Layla calls smear makeup all over Trish's face. Uh, Kurt Hennig successfully defends his hardcore title against Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll Express. After the match, all members of the Heenan family try to lay out Hennig, but the other rednecks make the save. Honky Tonk Man grabs the mic and says, you know, we aren't just a metaphorical band. We're the real deal, baby. They cut to a music video from the West Texas rednecks for their song, Good old boys. And yes, it's an actual real song. Search it up. Um, I couldn't find a good quality version to play from my phone like I did with the Macho Man song last episode. So, yeah, that ain't happening. But, yeah, they got that song. 
And we get the music video. Honky talks about how it was his idea to produce the song and the video, just like how he is going to help produce the end of Bobby Heenan's managerial career at Road Wild, baby. Um, Leader is seen backstage with the Horsemen. The Horsemen go into a locker room, but Flair and Leader are about to go into a separate, a separate locker room together. Leader says she'll be with him soon and goes to get some wine. But as she goes to catering to get some wine, she gets attacked by AJ, by AJ Lee, who slams her through a table in catering and smashes a wine bottle over Leader's head. So Rick gets left alone waiting. Um, main event set up last week, NWO versus Too Thick and Eddie Guerrero. Too Thick and Eddie win by DQ after the NWO get frustrated and all three men start assaulting their opponents with sledgehammers. I wonder if that's a shot at anyone. <laughs> um, Shawn Michaels attacks Eddie's knee with the sledgehammer and spray paints NWO on N- on Eddie's back. Michaels and the outs- Michaels and the outsiders celebrate to end Nitro. Yes, sledgehammers were chosen for a very not so subtle reason. Shots <laughs> fired. Shots fired. Come on, man. I- I'm waiting for you to take your shot back at me, man. Don't worry, I will soon enough. Yeah, I went hard last episode. Oh, don't you worry. I've got sunk in the works. It's just waiting for all the pieces to fall into place. Awesome. Awesome. I, I want this to get real shooty from time to time. <laughs> I want it. Like, like hypothetically, we're rebooking the Attitude Era, basically. So, like, we've got to go real ridiculous with it. That's why I got Monster Trucks. <laughs> hey, I started off in early 97 here. you got to give me a few months to catch up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. you you got to get you got to get past your, um, what is it, Team Turbo 2000s and your Hog, your Goodwins. Uh, what are they? The Godwins. And all yeah. that. you got to get past all the corniness and the Truth Commission to get to the DXs of the world. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, anyway, Raw, week two, from Orlando, Florida, in the United States of America. That's right, we're back stateside, baby. Thunderdome. Is... Thunderdome. <laughs> oh, God. Um, where is Club, Lo- Club Vita Loca? Club La Vila. It's uh, Panama City, Florida. So, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you you put that Jeep with the giant bit of pipe away, all right? Don't you just, dare try to invade. Just while I'll ring up Tank Girl, see what she's doing with her tank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, week two. We go to opening the show is a King of the Ring qualifying match, number three. It is Mark Henry taking on the debuting George the Animal Steel. Wonderful. So, sort of a quick match here. Even though both men are bigger, Mark makes quick work of um, George here to advance in the tournament. Uh, we then cut to a in-ring segment where Immortal says it doesn't matter who wins King of the Ring. Uh, doesn't matter who out of Funks and 
Road Warriors win at King of the Ring because we've already beaten them once before and one of us will become the double champion, referring to themselves entering the King of the Ring tournament. We go on to match number... Uh, King of the Ring qualifying match number four. It is Gerald Briscoe taking on Triple H here. As the referee's been inadvertently knocked down, Triple H goes under the ring, grabs a sledgehammer, and attacks Briscoe's knees. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> attacks Briscoe's knees, throws the sledgehammer out to Tyson, who slides it back under the ring, and hits the pedigree, turns over Briscoe, and gets a win to advance in the tournament. Perfect. Main event time. Time for the Wendy Richter Undisputed Open Challenge. So she comes down to the ring says, I love being a representative of America. What young up-and-coming America, American women do we have this week? So she puts down the microphone. Crowd's anticipating again. And Caitlin makes her WWF debut. Good sort oh, of back. Man. Sorry? Oh, one of my favourites. Good back and forth match. Again, Caitlin seems to have to match one after countering Wendy. Wendy falls outside of the ring as the clock runs down and Caitlin's left in the ring with no one to pin, so it goes to the time limit draw. Man, Wendy's uh, putting a lot of work in this month. So after the match, Caitlin makes her way backstage. Wendy grabs the title and goes to pose in the ring as the lights go out. And a video begins playing. There's a silhouette in the rocker room. And this time we hear a voice that says, I make others red with envy. And then the words flash up. The queen arrives at, the, at king of the ring. And that concludes week two. I love it. I've got a lot of anticipation. I've got a bit of speculation, but I don't want to say anything just in case I'm right or if I'm incredibly wrong. But, yeah, I've got a couple of ideas, and I can't wait to find out. Very good. Uh, All right. Uh, Nitro, week three. We're still at Club La Vila. I'm lazy. I book at the same venue for a month. <laughs> Group discount, mate. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just saving saving some of billionaire Ted's money. Um, Eddie Guerrero kicks off Nitro, and he is limping from the sledgehammer attack to his knee last week. But he wants Michaels right now. Michaels and the Outsiders come out and say that Sean is the main event, and in particular, a pay-per-view main eventer. And if you want him, you have to wait until Road Wild on pay-per-view in the main event. But since you're so keen to fight, how about you reintroduce yourself to your old buddy Big Sexy and you, and you guys go at it right now. Eddie Guerrero and Kevin Nash have a 10-minute match. Finish comes when Short and Hall try to get involved, but Too Thick take out the NWO. Eddie gets dashed down on the mat and he climbs up, hits the frog splash for the clean three count. Eddie and Too Thick continue the beatdown. 
and he hits a frog splash on Sean at, at the same time as... Uh, Eddie hits a... Uh, what just happened? <laughs> Eddie hits a frog splash on Sean whilst in the other corners there's dueling bonsai drops on both outsiders. So you can sort of picture three men coming off three corners at the same time there for a bit of a visual. Eddie's still selling his knee though, but gets out some spray paint and sprays WCW on Sean's back and poses with the with Sean's title. Um yeah, the baby face is getting some of their heat back, brother. Um backstage, Terry Gordy is with Miss Elizabeth. He is pissed. He says that he doesn't have the best win and loss record at the moment. And he might not have much stroke around here. But he just heard the news. He thinks it's messed up. The, even though they're injured. Buddy Roberts and Jimmy Jam Garvin got fired by WCW. And Elizabeth owes an explanation. She explains that Buddy and Jimmy were so badly injured they might not ever wrestle again. And WCW couldn't keep them under contract because they have a new talent coming in. And they got this talent after a lengthy bidding war with the competition. Gordy is furious and says that he wants a match against this quote-unquote new talent at Road Wild. Elizabeth agrees. So we've got another match set up for Road Wild. Stack card. Tully Blanchard versus Devon Dudley goes to a no contest after both Arn and Bubba get involved and a brawl breaks out with all four men. Uh, Ric Flair shows up to the arena late. He is strangely with Lita again. They are in a brand new Corvette sports car. That's right. Edge is waiting for them. It's a convertible. It's pretty it's pretty white hot uh edge is waiting for them gives rick a big hug and says like i said man what's mine is yours and he winks at rick edge says he needs to go get ready for the main event tonight which is him versus kevin von eric in a non-title match after edge leaves we see aj lee come out of nowhere and attack leader AJ throws Lita into the windscreen of the Corvette and Flair is furious as the windscreen is shattered. Security tries to separate the two, but out of nowhere, a cement truck pulls up. The door opens. And it's Austin! It's Austin! It's Austin! Stone Cold! Austin beats up Flair and hits a stunner on the hood of the Corvette because that does something, apparently. Um... Austin gets in the cement truck and turns it on. He fills the Corvette with cement. Oh, no. We're getting a lot of... Go on. Did you say he did a stunner on the hood? Yeah. It's because it's elevated. It hurts more. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I remember, like, he did, like, a stunner on D-Lo once on the hood of his pickup truck. It's like... All that really hurts more is your butt. Like, like that shouldn't even be better to do it on. Like, it sh- should hurt you more. Um, but anyway, yeah, we're getting a couple of Austin favourites here. We got a Corvette filled with cement, or as JR would probably say, cement. 
Um, Miss Elizabeth announces that next week, the main event of Nitro will be a mixed tag team match. Ric Flair and Lita versus AJ Lee and Steve Austin. Uh, we got Kurt Hennig successfully defend his hardcore title against Robert Gibson after the match. Uffa tries to pin Hennig for the title, but Honky smashes a guitar over Uffa's head. But Uffa no-sells it because Samoan. Um, Seeker gets involved. Wyndham smashes a guitar over Seeker's head. But he also no-sells it because Samoan. Uh, the Rednecks get the upper hand, but Rick Rude comes out and lays out everyone with his workout bar thingy that I've talked about before and some rude awakenings. He goes to pin Hennig, but Heenan, um, but Heenan tells him not to because he wants the satisfaction of looking Hennig in the eyes as he hands the title over to Heenan at Road Wild. Uh, Michelle McCool beats Trish Stratus after Layla distracts the ref and McCool sprays perfume in Trisha's eyes and hits the faith breaker for the win. Um, Ultimate Warrior beats a local and goes to wrap another chair around the neck of the local, but Michael Hayes comes out once again with the chair and stops him. But Fuji hits Hayes in the back of the head with a cane and Warrior hits a big splash and casually walks away. Uh, we get a video package hyping up Hogan versus Mankind, sort of detailing the tumultuous years they've had so far. Lots of uh, ups and more so downs for both men. Uh, we get more footage from the Macho Man World Tour. This time, Macho Man is backstage at a concert. Uh, let's just say he's in Australia. Stop it. <laughs> And backstage at his concert, for some unknown reason, is, yes, he's eligible to use because he is a Hall of Famer, Kid Rock. Uh, Kid Rock calls Macho Man a real-life cowboy and a true badass. Uh, two fans try to sneak past security for autographs, but Savage Security stop them again. Clothesline to one fan. And a massive dominator to the other fan. Graphic reminds us that Macho Man returns to WCW at Road Wild for a live performance. Uh, Molly Holly cuts a promo on Maurice. Maurice sneaks attack. Oh. Maurice sneak attacks her and just laughs at her and leaves. Finally, main event: Edge beats Kevin Von Erich clean after 20 minutes. Edge goes to continue attacking Kevin, but Kerry makes a save. Edge retreats up the ramp as Kerry tries to help his brother. But Edge runs back into the ring, lays out Kerry with the title, and Kerry is bleeding and laid out. Edge handcuffs Kerry to the ropes and makes and wakes Kerry up and makes Kerry watch as he repeatedly hits Kevin Von Erich with concertos. Kerry is screaming with anger, but he's handcuffed to those ropes and he can't do anything about it. As Kevin is stretched out, but Edge lays out the medics and pushes Kevin and the stretcher off the stage to end Nitro. That no good edge. Oh, no. <laughs> ah, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, really exciting so far. Three weeks in. Yeah, man. Uh, it is time for the... Oh, no. Is this your week three, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, have... 
How many have you done? <laughs> yeah, three. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I, I got confused as to whether you were before or after me. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anywho, yeah, Raw, week three, Charlotte, North Carolina, United States of America. Woo! <laughs> I don't know. It just seems fun to do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Any, uh, kick off with a King of the Ring qualifying match number five. Bruno San Martino versus Jack Briscoe. Good 10-minute match exchanging near forwards to close the end of the match where Bruno um, sort of snap pins Jack out of nowhere to get the three count. There's a sign of respect between both men after the match. Uh, we cut to backstage catering. Yes, Raw does provide catering for its wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, there is Georgie Animal still is walking through catering. He bumps his food tray and drops it all over Billy Gunn, who calls him a fat hog. His More fat. time later. <laughs> I'm sorry? He's fat! Sorry. <laughs> sorry, uh, wrong blonde jacked up dude. <laughs> Next match of the night, uh, King of the Ring qualifying match number six. Roddy Piper versus Dustin Rhodes. Dustin. Hey, I want Dustin. Sorry, sorry. Roddy Piper versus the, the debuting Dustin Rhodes, if you will, baby. Son of a bee. I was hoping you would never use him so you could give him to me. He's got a bicycle. He's got a bicycle. He's got a bicycle. <laughs> It's still funny because it's just yeah. like, why does he have a bike? Yeah. Oh, uh, man. Good back and forth match. About the 10 minute mark, both men fall to the outside, falling on top of the stairs over the turnbuckle, busted open. Back inside the match. It's a hard fought battle. Dusty hits a bionic elbow. And again, and again, Piper is down, goes for the cover, and Dusty Rose advances over Roddy Piper. If you will. <laughs> yes, indeed. Main event segment of the night. She has been demanding it every week since she became the self-proclaimed undisputed WWF World Women's Champion. Another undisputed open challenge. Wendy Richter is out. Insults the people of Charlotte saying this doesn't deserve to be referred to as the Queen City as I am the undisputed champion. And as she does that, the video plays. We see the silhouette in the locker room, and this time hear a different... Uh, and this time as we hear the voice, it's saying something different. Some people say, I dance ridiculously. And then the words flash up, the queen arrives at King of the Ring. I still can't quite figure out who it is. So we then go to the match itself. She calls out her opponent for this week. It is the debuting Alicia Fox. Captain Fox. Oh, yeah. Captain. <laughs> oh, Captain, my Captain. As <laughs> Captain Lou says on commentary. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
good back and forth match, closing stages here around the eight minute mark. Each woman sort of exchanging counters. All of a sudden, Alicia hits a snap Northern Lights suplex. Goes for the pinfall cover with the bridge. But Wendy manages to get the ropes. Slides out and wins by a count out. Meaning that while Alicia didn't pin, she wasn't submitted either. Alicia's contract will be decided by WWF Commissioner Jim Barnett and the WWF Executive Board. And we go off the air with commentary arguing whether Alicia Fox should be signed or not. Nah, give it a WCW. <laughs> Week four, go home, Fruity. All right, bye. Um, Week four, Nitro. We kick off with Eddie Guerrero in the ring waiting for a match against Scott Hall. We go backstage and see the NWO laying out too thick backstage. Kevin Nash, I don't know how he did it. Here we go. We'll see if we pop you again. I don't know how he does it without tearing his quad, but he powerbombed Rikishi through a table. Maybe no pop this time. Rikishi! Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was either going to be he needed a powerbomb Rikishi or Yoko. So I was obviously going to pick Rikishi. At least Rikishi could probably athletically hold himself up for it for a second. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, go. Yeah, anyway. uh, Scott Hall smashes Yoko's head through a TV. A TV that has Roar is War on it. And Scott Hall just says, you shouldn't be watching that crap anyway. Sean then gets the outsiders to hold up Yoko as he hits the super kick on Yoko. Out comes then WO. It's Hall versus Guerrero kicking off Nitro. Eddie's selling his leg the whole time. He's having a lot of problems since he had sledgehammers smacked all over it. Uh, Eddie goes up for the frog splash, but Sean distracts the referee. Nash jumps up, hits Eddie in the knee with a sledgehammer. Eddie falls off the top rope. Hall, Hall picks him up, hits the outsider's edge for the pinfall victory. After the match, the NWO continue the beatdown. Sean locks in a sharpshooter to further aggravate Eddie's knee and a bit of his back, I guess. I think that works there as well. Uh, Nash lays the world title underneath Eddie's face and keeps screaming, this is as close as you'll ever get, Vanilla Midget. Vanilla Midget. Vanilla Midget! Eddie passes out from the pain, but Sean keeps the hold locked on anyway. Eventually, Hall and Nash pull Sean off. Uh, Eventually, Hall and Nash pull Sean off of Eddie, and Sean poses with the title and crotch chops to the camera. Uh, We get a backstage interview with Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy. They cut promos about their opponents on Sunday. Hayes says he's going to avenge his brothers and destroy the warrior. Gordy says he's going to make WCW regret firing their friends and he's going to break their new toy on Sunday. Out of nowhere, Mr. Fuji snaps a cane over the back of Gordy's head and Warrior lays out Hayes with a chair. He sets the chair up on Hayes' throat and sits on it and says, 
that none of this was meant to be personal. Sacrifices need to be made for his ultimate good, for him to reach immortality. The warrior must feed on the blood of others for him to reach the next level and become the most powerful entity in all of the ultimate universe. Alright, that was the first time I tried a warrior promo voice. Hit or miss, I don't know yet. (laughs) Molly Holly and Victoria versus Maurice and Beth Phoenix. Finish comes when Maurice gets sick of waiting for a tag from Beth, and she just simply gets up and leaves. Molly hits the Molly go around on Beth for the win. We get a sit-down face-to-face interview with Mankind and Hogan, moderated by Mean Gene. Hogan does his usual thing, talks about training, prayers, vitamins, all that good stuff. Mean Gene asks Mankind what this match means to him. Mankind says that he's been watching wrestling his entire life. He always wanted to be a wrestler. He wanted to be a sex symbol like Shawn Michaels and Rick Rude. He wanted to be a role model like Hulk Hogan or Sting. But he was never going to look like them. All of the kids at school made fun of how weird he looked. He had no choice than to become the monster everyone thought he was, despite him trying to be the sex symbol when he used to wrestle in backyards as dude love. All anybody would remember wasn't the love heart on his chest, the cool earrings or the sexy promos. All anyone remembered was the freak who jumped off of a house. But on Sunday, he's going to prove that he can be that role model when he beats Hulk Hogan on pay-per-view. Hulk Hogan starts to reply. He's almost feeling a bit of sympathy for Mankind. But Mankind lunges forward, locks on, the mat- uh, locks on the mandible claw, and Hogan passes out to end the segment. Uh, bit of fun there. I think if that was an actual real segment, it would just be amazing because of Mick Foley. Um, the yeah, Dudley... I completely agree there. I'm yeah, sorry, man. No, that's all good, man. Yeah, um... Uh, sort of, sort of just lent on the Mick Foley Jim Ross sit down interview from Raw in '97, and sort of just chucked Hulk Hogan in there with him. Um, the Dudley Boys beat the Rock and Roll Express, but after the match, Arn and Tully sneak attack hit Spark pile driver on Bubba and then on Devon, who does his signature convulsing cell in the ring. If you know the one I'm talking about, where Devon sort of just convulses to sell a move. I love it. Um, we get a promo backstage with Edge. We learn that Kevin Von Erich has a fractured jaw in two places and he'll be out for a month. We also learn that Kerry is currently in Dallas with his brother by his brother's bedside. Edge says he will end the legacy of the Von Erichs on Sunday and will continue the most R-rated US title reign of all time. Uh, we see the West Texas Rednecks cutting a promo at a Western-themed bar. Henning is cutting a promo about Heenan, and how Heenan will continue to rip off athletes of their hard-earned money and waste their careers 
if he doesn't end Heenan's managing career on Sunday. Whilst Kurt is cutting his promo, random people are trying to cash in on the 24-7 rule, but he uses things like pool cues, beer bottles and pint glasses to lay out everyone whilst never skipping a beat on his promo. He's just still cutting his promo perfectly the whole time, pun intended. Um, and, yeah, he's never skipping a beat on his promo and Winderman Honky Tonka just in the background just drinking beer and doing shots of Jack Daniels in the background just laughing at all these fools that are trying to mess with Kurt Hennig. But the Heenan family show up at the bar. We get a good old-fashioned saloon stare down here with these six men. The Heenan family show up. They beat down the rednecks. They leave everyone in the bar knocked out. Heenan turns to the camera and simply says, now that's perfect. Uh, we get a hype video for Lake Hall versus Trish and the mystery partner. And now it's main event time. Uh, Flair and Lita versus Austin and AJ Lee. 15-minute match. Finish comes when Ric Flair pulls brass knuckles out of his trunks and he knocks out Austin for the pinfall. Lita gets the knucks and does the same to AJ. Flair runs backstage and what's he doing? The camera follows him. He jumps into Austin's signature pickup truck. He drives it into the arena. He puts the pickup truck in neutral and the pickup truck slowly rolls down the ramp and falls straight into the ringside pool area and the the pickup truck is completely, completely drowning in that swimming pool. Uh, Austin, obviously a bit laid out. He can't even see that his, his pickup truck's in the water. Flair and Lita continue to lay out Austin and AJ. They're both unconscious, and Flair and Lita throw both of their opponents into the pool to end Nitro on the um, go-home show before Road Wild. Oh, wow. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah Rick Flair being a bit cheeky. <laughs> he rolled... Austin's pickup truck into the pool. <laughs> well, I guess he had it coming after what he destroyed a Cadillac. Yeah. Yeah, and a limo. Terrible, <laughs> terrible Austin. Yeah, lots of vehicular shenanigans, as, as they would say. Indeed. Uh, so, with that being said, week four, Monday Night Raw from East Rutherford. New Jersey from the United States of America, or as WWE would say, from the shadows of New York City. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, show opens with a backstage segment. Lord Alfred Hayes is having a sit down interview with George the Animal Steel. Now, most people know that George doesn't speak. Yes. So, because I don't have um, Mean Gene, I've had to sort of put Lord Alfred in this role. That works. Yeah. So, Lord Alfred is talking about how George feels insulted by Billy Gunn last week, being called a fat hog. And 
that George wants to settle who is the biggest and fattest hog with a hog pen match against Billy Gunn. Oh my god. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love it. I just completely forgot you got given that gimmick and I said I don't even realise I didn't even realise that's what you were setting up and I love it. Yeah, so there's me uh little twist in use. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, well as you can tell I audibly popped for that one. We go on to the seventh qualifying match for the King of the Ring. It is Stevie Ray without his slapjack. <laughs> Taking on Kurt Angle. So it's sort of back and forth in the early stages, but Kurt gets the upper hand, applies the ankle lock, and Stevie taps out. So Kurt, Kurt Angle will advance in the tournament. Um, we then get a promo. Um, saying that whilst Booker, we get, we then get a promo from Booker T saying whilst he's disappointed his brother is eliminated, he'll be watching the King of the Ring from home, as he's taken time, as he's taken family leave this month, but upon his return, he'll be watching, but he'll be watching with an eager eye until his return, as he knows the King of the Ring winner can challenge for any championship they choose. I was saying I love that. We then go on to the final King of the Ring qualifying match. So, so far advancing is Jeff Jarrett, X-Pac, Mark Henry, Triple H, Bruno, and tonight, Kurt Angle. Match number eight, the final qualifying match sees Antonio Inoki versus Bret Hart. Whoa. <laughs> This is like an all-time classic 20-minute out-of-the-park commentary saying, oh, we had a Bushwhackers tag team match coming up tonight, but that's now been cancelled as this match is still going on. We'll bring you as much of this match and as much as Raw as we originally scheduled. And towards... Sorry? Oh, I love it. I love it when they used to do that back in the day where they're like, oh, we're meant to have bloody, you know, Joe Schmo versus... Kamala, the Ugandan giant tonight, but we're going to have to do that again next week because Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart are having a classic in the middle of the ring, you know, stuff like that. So I love that little touch. Yeah, going over 25 minutes here, towards the end of the match, Anoki's just trying for the drop kicks, but Bret's still evading. Anoki tries again, but Bret grabs his leg, rolls around, Gets on top of Anoki, sharpshooter, and Anoki taps. So Brett is the final man to advance. Awesome. Uh, main event segment of the show, because she's demanded it, the self-proclaimed, undisputed WWF World Women's Champion, Wendy Richter. She comes down, calls out her opponent this week, saying, oh, come on, let's get it over with. And we hear a very familiar song of Hello, hello. Yeah. I sure do. Ooh, it is Kelly Kelly. Huh? I was going to say, old K squared. K squared, yes. So this match is all Wendy. She's sort of 
unleashing her rage from this mystery woman for King of the Ring onto Kelly Kelly. So much so that she's stomping down on Kelly in the corner. The ref's counting one, two, three, telling her to back off. She backs off. Ref tells her again. She's not backing off. Warns her again. That's it. That's enough. Calls for the bell and the match is thrown out. Oh, Commentary. man. Commentary mentions again WWF Commissioner Jim Barnett and the and the executive board will have to decide on the contract status of both Kelly Kelly and Alicia Fox at a later date. So Kelly Kelly's being helped out of the ring. She's sort of cradling her shoulder from where um, where Wendy was sort of working over it, pulling on it between the ropes, twisting it, punching it. She's sort of celebrating in the middle of the ring. And holding up her thing as the lights go out and we see the video again, the silhouette in the locker room, and we hear, when it comes to family, I'm number one, before the words are flash up on screen. The queen is crowned at King of the Ring. I'm still uh, I'm still not quite sure who it is. Uh, and I'm trying not to go to, like, I have your roster saved on my phone. I don't want to look at it because I don't want to spoil myself. So I can't think off the top of my head who it is. Trust me, it all makes sense once we get there. But definitely, yeah. So that's the uh, the go home little segment there. So we have our King of the Ring matches, a hog pen match, a tag team number one contenders match, and a women's match, all for the pay per view to come up. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. So let's see over what WCW had to offer on pay-per-view. Yeah, we, we got a big card tonight. It is WCW Road Wild live from the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in Sturgis, South Dakota. It's a massive, like, five-hour pay-per-view without wasting any time. JR and Jesse throw to our first match of the evening. It is a number one contenders match for the women's title. Molly Holly beats Maurice after 10 minutes. After Molly hits the Molly go round for the clean win, she's the new number one contender for Spring Stampede. Backstage promo with Main Gene and Eddie Guerrero talking about his knee and how he isn't 100%. But he has no choice than to go through an hour of hell so he can earn a lifetime of glory. Uh, Terry Gordy comes out for his match, is against a mystery opponent, a new acquisition from WCW. And his opponent comes out. It is him. It's him. It's Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, Terry wow, Gordy. Like, I didn't think you were going. Sorry. I said, wow, I didn't think you were going there that early. Oh, man, um, with that, that means that I've pretty much used everyone on my roster now. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I guess you have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone's had a stat now, so they say. Um, so, Terry Gordy, without without waiting around or anything... Diamond Dallas Page just gets through the ropes. Oh, sorry, dude. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page makes his entrance down the ramp. He gets through the ropes, and without skipping a beat, Terry Gordy's all over him straight away. 
five minutes of Terry Gordy beating him up. Terry Gordy's setting him up for an Oklahoma slam, Oklahoma stampede into the corner. But Diamond Dallas Page sort of maneuvers himself, reverses a diamond cutter, one, two, three. DDP with the clean win here for his debut. And he goes through the crowd and celebrates with the people in Sturgis. Uh, WCW US title match is next. Hey. Ew, celebrating with the crowd at Sturgis. Yeah, well, <laughs> in um, I, I'm picturing 1996-97. I would not recommend that in 2020. <laughs> Sorry, man. No, no fuzzy concerts at, at this Road Wild pay-per-view, that's for sure. Um, WCW US title match. Edge versus Kerry Von Erich for about eight minutes. Kerry goes for the tornado punch, but turns around in a spear. Edge gets a clean win. After the match, Edge hits a concerto, and Kerry is carried out by medics. All right, now it's the Ultimate Warrior versus Michael Hayes. Within the first 10 seconds of this match, Michael Hayes has hit his signature DDT, but Warrior stands straight up and debuts his new finisher, the Tombstone Pile Driver, and gets the clean win in about 30 seconds. After the match, Warrior wraps a chair around Hayes' neck and goes to jump off the top rope, but the lights go out and they come back on, and Hayes is out of the ring being taken to the back by medics, and all that is left in the ring is the broken remains of a baseball bat, seemingly the same baseball bat Warrior used at last month's pay-per-view. Warrior looks perplexed and leaves the ring with Fuji. Slow build, brother. (laughs) All right, it is Arn and Tully versus the Dudley Boys. Eight-minute match. Finish comes when the ref is distracted by Tully and Edge comes in and goes to hit Devon with the title. But Devon ducks. Arn goes down. 3D on Edge. He's thrown out of there. 3D on Tully. And then a final 3D on Arn for the three count. And your number one contenders for Spring Stampede, the Dudley Boy. So announced last month, this match, uh, WCW women's title match, was announced last month that it would be a street fight. Both women show up in street clothes. AJ Lee versus Lita. 12-minute spot fest, lots of weapons, lots of shenanigans. Lita gets the win by setting up a table in the ring and hitting the moonsault through a table. For the one, two, three. Leader finally getting the clean win over AJ Lee and successfully defending her women's championship. All right, next match. It is the Heenan family versus the West Texas Rednecks. Hennig gets the clean pin on Rude with the Hennig Plex, whilst Honky is brawling with Affa outside and Seekers brawling with Wyndham after about eight minutes. After the match, Heenan is left alone in the ring. He asks for Rude and the Samoans to help, 
but they shrug their shoulders and leave Heenan alone. Hennig and the Rednecks take turns laying out Heenan. Heenan's no longer a manager. The Heenan family is no more. Heenan is helped out by the ring staff. What? No. The Heenan family's no more. Heenan's helped out of the ring by staff. The Rednecks are celebrating in the ring to their hit song, Good Old Boys. The, the Sturgis bikers are just loving, as you could imagine. The music stops. The lights come back on. And something just plays over the arena speakers. What is this? In what today's is this? news, Macho Man Randy Savage inks recording contract with Big Three Records as a what? rap artist. What? He's trying to rap. He can't even rap yeah, here. Yeah, I heard, I heard Macho's doing rap CD, man. I just really My brother watched Randy Savage back in the day. My head is going to be working on a rap CD and it's going to be hot. Two masked men. Savage security lay out all three rednecks in the ring as this music continues in the background. And a Cadillac Escalade drives down the Sturgis ramp. This music is playing. Out comes Sherry Martell. And out comes Macho Man Randy Savage rapping his way down the ring. Macho Man joins Savage Security in the ring who have laid out all three rednecks. We've seen a clothesline on one of the rednecks. We've seen a dominator on the other redneck. Um, finally, a huge double power bomb on Hennig. Macho Man's still wrapping his way down the ring with his, with his uh, sidekick there, Sherry Martell. Macho Man gets in the ring. He's got a ref with him. He pins Kurt Hennig in the middle of the ring and is your new hardcore champion. Macho Man goes up to Savage Security. They've both got their masks on, and at the same time, he takes off both of their masks to reveal. Yep, you knew it. Bradshaw and Farouk. Um, Macho Man keeps rapping, <laughs> and he just keeps rapping his way up the entrance ramp. This time, he's got his hardcore title now. He's got his henchman by each side of him. He gets to the Hummer, finishes. He gets to his, uh, sorry, not the Hummer. He gets to his Cadillac Escalade, gets back into it, finishes his song, holds the title up, jumps back in there with Sherry, and they leave. Macho Man Randy Savage has re-debuted. He is a rap god, and he is with Savage Security, Bradshaw and Farouk, and Sherry Martell. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> That's wow. <laughs> uh, I've been building this up for months now. I think it's been three months of three, three months of building and teasing this gimmick. Uh, four months since his last match. 
So yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, this is the beginning of a new era for the Macho Man. He is a hardcore rap god. Um, JR and Jesse Ventura are on camera now. They just look confused, like, what just happened? I'm pretty sure Macho Man just wrapped his way down the ring, pinned Kurt Henning and left. Uh, they can't believe it. And we move on to our next match. It's Lakehall. They come out for the tag match against Trish and her mystery partner. And it is a debuting Melina. Yeah, this is the point where I've debuted everyone now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, ten minute back. Wow. Yeah, Melina. Uh, we get a ten minute back and forth match. Eventually, Trish and Lakehall are legal. Oh, sorry. Eventually, Trish and Layla are the legal members in the ring. Michelle runs in the ring, but Melina hits her finisher the last call. Melina hits her finisher. Trish hits the satisfaction for the clean win. Mean Jean has a post-match interview with Trish and Melina, and he informs them that the WCW board and Miss Elizabeth in particular were very impressed by that performance. So much so that these two women, Trish and Melina, will face off next month for a number one contendership opportunity. Um, WCW tag team titles, Too Thick versus The Outsiders, 15-minute match. Finish comes when both Nash and Yoko are laid out outside the ring. Rikishi picks up Hall for the Rikishi driver, but Hall's leg hits the referee in the process. Rikishi gets the visual pinfall on Hall, but the ref is laid out. Nash gets in the ring and lays out Rikishi with a sledgehammer, drags Hall over Rikishi and wakes the ref up for the three count, and still your WCW tag champs, the outsiders, everyone hates it. But Miss Elizabeth comes out and say that Hall and Nash might have stolen the win. But the way she sees it, Too Thick had that match in the bag and should be the new champs. She believes we now have two number one contenders. So at Spring Stampede, the pay-per-view will open with the Dudley Boys versus Too Thick. And whoever wins that match will face the Outsiders later on in the night. Um, all right, now we're heading in. To the triple main event, I guess. Hulk Hogan versus Mankind. Number one contender match. Mankind's dominating this match for about 10 minutes. But you know the drill. Hogan hulks up. He hits the big boot, the leg drop, and is your new number one contender for Spring Stampede. Mankind looks sad and disappointed as he slowly walks up the aisle whilst Hogan must pose in the ring. Um, Hogan must pose, brother. He's always got to pose, brother. Uh, so whoever wins the main event tonight will take on Hulk Hogan in the main event at Spring Stampede next month. Miss Elizabeth is backstage with Mean Gene and announces that she had no idea that Macho Man was going to do what he did tonight. Truth be told, her and Macho haven't been together for years now. As his 
as his obsession with becoming a celebrity outside of the ring tore apart their marriage. She says that she has two match announcements for next month at Spring Stampede. Honky Tonk Man and Barry Windham will team up to take on Savage Security, Bradshaw and Farouk. Also, if Macho Man makes it to Spring Stampede still the hardcore champion, it will be Macho Man Randy Savage versus Kurt Hennig for the hardcore title. And we move on to our next match, Steve Austin versus Ric Flair. It goes for about 15 minutes. Austin goes for the stunner, but Flair hits a low blow and is disqualified. Crowd is pissed. Flair then lays out Austin with a chair. He puts on the figure four wrapped around the ring post. Security pulls them apart. Miss Elizabeth comes out again. She's a, she's a busy bee on this pay-per-view. She announces that next month it will be a no DQ, no count out, submission match. But this is the first ever in WCW history, a submissions count anywhere match between Austin and Flair. And the winner will get a future world title opportunity as we move to our main event. I really like that stipulation for the uh, Austin Flair match. Yeah, we, we're, man, this feud's been going on for about six months now in some form or another. We're going to keep it going a little bit longer. Uh, submissions count anywhere. I think it's been it's been done once before, and I think of all things, it was like a Daniel Bryan versus The Miz match in like 2010. But I, I've always thought it was pretty cool stipulation if done right, and I think these are the two guys to do it with. But we move to the last match of the evening. It is the WCW World Heavyweight Championship one-hour Iron Man match. Eddie Guerrero versus Shawn Michaels. Eddie Guerrero comes out first on a motorbike to the approval of the Sturgis crowd. He parks the bike near the ring. Yeah, you guessed it. But it's a lowrider bike with hydraulics and it bounces up and down. What? I don't think it I don't think one exists, but this is fantasy booking, right? Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. <laughs> You know, he's, he's on the bike for the cheap pop from the Sturgis crowd, but he's got to have his own Eddie flavor on it, right? <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. Sean comes out next, and he's got the outsiders behind him. He tells the outsiders to go to the back. I've got this one, boys. Commentary remind us of Sean's one-and-done rule. If Eddie doesn't win the title, he doesn't get another shot for 12 months. We get the in-ring title match introductions. Big, big fight feel. Main Gene, who also announces that... Oh, sorry. We get the in-ring title match introductions for the big fight feel from Main Gene, who is in the ring. Main Gene also announces that he just received word from WCW President Miss Elizabeth that if there isn't a winner in the 60 minutes, there will be... A sudden death overtime. Sean is visibly pissed with this last minute announcement. 
he yells at Mean Jean, who relays that Miss Elizabeth snuck this clause in the fine print of their contract from four weeks ago on Nitro. Sean is fuming. Eddie has that signature cheeky grin of confidence on his face. As the bell rings and the match is underway, Sean comes out of the gates aggressively. Commentators speculate that the last-minute announcement of overtime might have thrown Sean's game plan out of the window because now he needs to beat Eddie to retain the title rather than needing a minimum of a draw. Commentators speculate that Sean might be using too much uh, too much energy early out of anger of the announcement and it might cost him in the latter stages of this match. Sean's focusing on Eddie's knee. Ten minutes have passed and it's been all Sean who's been working on Eddie's knee this whole time. Lots of chain wrestling, but every time Eddie starts to get the upper hand, Eddie's knee gives out on him and Sean gets the advantage again. Five more minutes passed and no points on the board, but Sean has spent the entire 15 minutes working on the knee and he's starting to tire from his aggressive start to the match. 20 minutes have passed and Eddie can barely stand up on his right leg anymore. Sean has Eddie up on the top rope and hits a massive top rope superplex, but Sean's completely gassed now. He's paying the price for that aggressive start. Sean can't get up in time to capitalize, but both men slowly get up to their feet. Eddie goes for the first of three amigos, but his knee gives out, and Sean slides out the back and chop blocks Eddie, who rolls out of the ring and the ref follows and is contemplating calling off the match, but Eddie refuses to give up. Whilst that is going on, Sean's catching a breath finally in the ring, and he takes off the middle turnbuckle pad in a corner. 35 minutes have passed, no falls, no points on the board. Sean has slowed down the pace for the last 15 minutes. Eddie keeps almost getting the upper hand. His knee keeps giving out. Sean goes for the super kick, but Eddie dodges and hits the first amigo. He has Sean up for the second amigo, but his knee gives out again. Sean slides out, and uh, Sean slides out the back again, but this time he pushes Eddie knee first into the corner without a turnbuckle pad on the middle buckle. Eddie screams loud in pain, turns around, sweet chin music at the 38-minute mark. Sean gets the pinfall and is up 1-0 after 38 minutes. Sean then spends the next little while methodically working on the knee still. 50 minutes have passed and Sean throws Eddie outside the ring. Eddie's near the commentary table. Sean spends a decent amount of time catching his breath as he's spent too much energy in the first half of this match due to the rage from the match announcement. Uh, uh, due to the rage from the announcement before the match, sorry. Uh, Sean is on the apron and springboards for an acai moonsault, a la his match, at Kurt, his match against Kurt Angle at Mania 21. But Sean spent too much time catching his breath. Eddie moves. Sean goes crashing through the table. Eddie makes it back in the ring at the seven count. But Sean is desperately crawling towards the ring and he just beats the 10 count. We jump ahead again, and it's the last minute of the match. We're finally there, folks. Sorry about this. Uh, 
Sean is now heavily selling his ribs from the table spot. Eddie has spent the last eight minutes with the slight advantage, but his knee is still bothering him. He is selling his knee while standing. And Sean goes for sweet chin music one more time. But Eddie somehow manages to get out of the way. And he hits the first Amigo. He finally hits the second Amigo. He does it. He hits the third Amigo with 20 seconds remaining. Eddie gingerly climbs the top rope. He finally gets up with 10 seconds remaining. And he hits the frog splash. But he clearly lands on his right knee. He's selling the knee hard. He's screaming from pain. He finally rolls on top of Sean and he covers him. And the bell rings. The referee... Oh, sorry. The crowd's going nuts. They think Eddie's tied this up because the bell rang just as the referee's hand came down for the three. The ring announcer makes the announcement your winner and still world heavyweight champion the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels and he's devastated he pleads with the announcer he pleads with the ref that he got the fall in time an instant replay shows that the clock ran out as the referee's hand was millimeters from the mat for the three count Sean's completely out of it Hall and Nash come out and help Sean up Sean barely musters the strength to lift his world title on the entranceway with the outsiders holding him up. Commentary mentions that Eddie was a millimeter. He was a millimeter away from sending this match into overtime. He was as close as anyone could be to completely turning this match around. But now Eddie can't challenge for the title for 12 months. Eddie's laying down in the ring in a corner, his face in his hand. He is completely heartbroken as the pay-per-view goes off the air with a barely conscious Shawn Michaels holding the title with his NWO buddies. Shawn barely survived tonight, but how can he survive next month when it's Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan at WCW Spring Stampede? A whole new world dot 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 order and that concludes wcw's pay-per-view this month wow really good man i really enjoyed that um so i I know i may i may have taken a bit of liberties with my time there but uh it was Eddie Guerrero versus Shawn Michaels in a one-hour Iron Man match. I had to sort of go in-depth into that one, so it could actually feel like the classic that it's meant to be. That's all good. Um, how many matches was that card again? That was a 12-match card. Um, Sturges bike has certainly got their money's worth. Yeah, they got their $0 worth. <laughs> How did that actually work back in the day? Did they pay, like, their event ticket for, like, their Sturgis Rally Pass and WCW yeah. just got no money? Yeah, pretty much that. Um, Eric B- Bischoff talked about on his sponsorship that... Um, oh, on his sponsor. Sorry, I'm a little tongue-tied after that. Um, Eric Bischoff talked about on his podcast that uh, 
yeah, they weren't making any money from ticket sales for Road Wild, but most of the money they were getting was from the Harley Davidson sponsorship deals and stuff like that. Sturgis were paying WCW, like the Motorcycle Rally were paying WCW to be a part of the event as well. So that's where all the money came from for those events. Yeah, I figured as much. Yeah. Um, yeah, really good, man. Can't wait to see what you do next month. Yeah, so I was a little bit I was a little bit worried because you did a very similar finish to what I was doing in my pay-per-view main event, but you did it pretty much on your first week of TV with Paige. Paige, huh? Yeah. I was like, oh no, that's pretty much the exact finish I'm booking for my pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, well, for it to go ten minutes, it's sort of you got to try to get your stuff in quick and got to be more aggressive than, say, if it's a hour where you can sort of take your time early and then if the clock's running down, you've got to be aggressive. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I sort of added some extra psychological ring psychology elements to that match, such as Sean getting completely flustered by the pre-match announcement of overtime. So he starts expending too much energy early in the match. It sort of gasses him out towards the end, which sort of lets Eddie get the upper hand at one point. Yeah, I'm genuinely proud of how I wrote that thing. I'm like, yeah, I should be a road agent. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Uh, Anywho. We go over to the WWF's pay-per-view channel offerings on your cable box or nefarious means surface. <laughs> uh, scramble vision. That's it. For <laughs> WWF King of the Ring from the Madison Square Garden, New York City from New York State in the United States of America. Commentary team is Lord Alfred Hayes, Captain Lou Albano, and Gorilla Monsoon. Why? Because I can, that's why. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I can't anymore. I can't anymore, so you can. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> uh, as always, start off with the Sunday Night Heat pre-show type match. It is George the Animal Still versus Billy Gunn in a hog pen match. So the, <laughs> the aim of this match is to incapacitate your opponent to the point where that you can throw them into a muddy hog pen with pigs. Uh, quickly, did you do your research, uh, watch a hog pen match or do a bit of a Google search on it? I watched a couple of clips here and there. I didn't watch a full match. <laughs> I figured didn't it's watch like... I uh, didn't watch any Triple H versus Henry O. Godwin classics. Oh, no. <laughs> Although this is probably sort of like it, considering it's a DX and a larger, uh, to be <laughs> polite, simple sort of character. Yeah, yeah, like a, a much bigger but simple baby face. Yes. Um, so at the start of the match, George is using his strength, knocks down Billy, who spills to the outside of the ring. George goes over the turnbuckle, rips open the turnbuckle and starts frying the foam around, feasting on it. Had to do that little spot. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, you have to. Billy gets back inside, starts attacking George. The two men fall outside 
and start brawling up the rampway. George teeters on the rampway, almost falling over the ramp into the pig pen. So I've got the pig pen up against the um, staging area where they can just fall off the top of the stage and land straight into the pig pen. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. George teeters, then saves himself. Billy teeters, then saves himself. George teeters, and Billy goes to kick him. George catches Billy and sort of does this... um, I don't know how to describe it orderly, sort of like a, a drunk toss where you grab someone by the collar and the belt of their pants and just hoof them in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so or of, could you say like almost like a belly to belly sort of thing? Uh, not what I'm going for. <laughs> okay. Yep. So he grabs him. Billy goes to kick him. George grabs him, maneuvers him around, grabs him by like a drunk toss and just hoofs him into this pig pen where he goes. And it's this visual where there's a camera in the back of the pig pen and you see Billy land in the mud and just sort of slide face first up towards the camera and then a pig walks in and sits on his back. (laughs) And George wins the match. (laughs) George and his animals. Yes. (laughs) Um, you you just gave me an idea that if you win the R block, you need to pick Toru Yano so you can just do the one spot where Toru Yano <laughs> grabs the turnbuckle and goes to hit George Steele with it, but George Steele just eats it instead. To be honest, I was thinking of that if I was going to do the In Your House in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Yano would have been perfect. But now I spoiled it, so you can't do it. Uh-huh. I'll just I'll just cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on. Sorry, commentary states tonight we will see the crowning of the first WWF Intercontinental Champion in the King of the Ring, where the winner will also choose their match to headline SummerSlam. A tag team number one contenders match, where one team won't be eligible where one team won't be able to challenge for the gold for 12 months and a match featuring the self-proclaimed undisputed WWF world women's champion. So yeah, this match is, um, sorry, this, this card is very King of the ring heavy and not a lot else going on. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So we start off match two on the pay-per-view. It is a singles match in the first round King of the Ring tournament. Jeff Jarrett versus X Puck. Sort of good back and forth, 10 minute match. At one point, Deborah's up on the apron again. The referee distracted as Jeff has his guitar in the corner, grabs it, hits X Puck, <laughs> and X Puck is down, points the guitar out again. Deborah jumps down, and the ref sees Jeff pinning X-Puck and counts the pinfall for Jeff to advance. Uh. Mark Henry versus Triple H in the uh, third match of the night. Again, another King of the Ring first round match. Triple H, seeing what's happened earlier, has Mike Tyson in his corner against Mark Henry. And it's sort of a good back and forth match here. Mark Henry trying a lot of power moves, but Triple H managing to wriggle out. At one point, Triple H pushes Mark Henry into the corner 
while the referee is down and Tyson hits him with a chair. Mark falls down, Triple H goes for a roll up near the referee and the referee sort of stirs and slow counts. One, two, three, and Triple H advances thanks to the help of uh, thanks to the help of Mike Tyson. Match no, I'm happy four. with that. I like that. Match number four on the card. Bruno San Martino versus Dust the Rhodes in another first round matchup at the King of the Ring. Good back and forth match. It's sort of two cornerstones of the industry for their time. <laughs> Did they ever have a singles meeting for a title? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I think just after the Bruno San Martino era was the Billy Graham era in which Dusty Rhodes actually came over to New York for a short period of time and had a feud with Billy Graham. But I don't think he had a feud with Bruno at that time, unfortunately. Yeah, I wasn't 100% sure on the timing there. So good back and forth match here. Bruno ends up getting the win here by pinfall to advance. Match number five is Kurt Angle versus Bret Hart. Again, the final first round match. Uh, back and forth. Kurt's trying to work over the ankle lot as Bret's going for the sharpshooter. It's just back and forth. Both men working over submission holds where eventually Kurt's worn down. Brett capitalises, gets a sharpshooter. Kurt's crawling towards the ropes, but can't make it. And as his fingertips away, Brett sort of releases a hold to drag Kurt back into the centre of the ring and wrench in deeper as Kurt submits to the sharpshooter. So Brett Hart will be advancing. Awesome. I would have killed to have seen that match. Uh, so we have a short break from the tournament matches. It is match six on the card, the Road Warriors, Animal and Hawk versus the Funks, Terry Funk and Dory Funk Jr. Again, this is the two out of three falls tag team match for the WWF World Tag Team number one contendership where one team won't be able to challenge for those titles for 12 months. It's a competitive match. As quickly out of nowhere, Dory seems to have have Animal tied up in the cloverleaf for the first fall while Terry had Hawk on the outside. Legion of Doom free themselves. Oh, sorry. The Road Warriors free themselves and fire up, hitting a doomsday on Dory for the second fall and quickly following a doomsday on Terry for the second fall, uh, for, the, for the third fall, as the Road Warriors, Animal and Hawk become the number one, con- become the true number one contenders. Post-match, Paul Allen calls out a mortal, saying in their match, there will be nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, as you'll be locked inside a solid steel cage. No managers, no excuses. Winners take all. Love it. Uh, video then airs for the next pay-per-view, the next pay-per-view event. It'll be Battleground from the Walter Pyramid, Long Beach, California, in the United States of America, featuring the first eight-man two-block tournament in the Global Lightweight Series for the co-main event at SummerSlam. Ooh. Ooh, this is a bit tricky for Vinnie Mac. You can tell he lost the pencil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will... 
have to put my hand up and make one criticism. Out of yeah. all the pay-per-view names in WWE history you chose to bring into the fantasy world, you brought in Battlegrounds. <laughs> oh, did you want me to bring back Great Balls of Fire? I assume you're replacing WrestleMania with Great Balls of Fire, so I wouldn't want you to bring that back yet. <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> no, I'm very good. So- Considering some of the other choices I have and some of the ones I have left to reveal for the second half of the year, um, yeah, it is probably one of the better options and one that I can sort of mould into a new um, standalone event that doesn't have a lot of con- um, negative connotation with it, say like a um, fatal four-way roadblock, oh. end of the line. <laughs> yeah very true very true and also the battlegrounds terminology sort of works well especially with that big tag team title match you got coming down yes absolutely so wwf commissioner jim barnett oh boy you know what's coming (laughs) comes out on stage on a black velvet bag and says i'm proud to announce wwf is crowning a new champion Block matches will be taking place on Raw over the next four weeks, with each block winner advancing to the Global Lightweight Series Tournament Final to become the first WWF Light Heavyweight Champion as he removes the championship from the bag and holds it up to the crowd. He loves coming out for a cheap belt pop. (laughs) (laughs) He's doing it every pay-per-view now. He's loving it. Just about, but I should say, I believe that's the seventh title I've now got in play, so that's all my titles in play. Awesome. The hardcore title I was going to do later in the year, but I suppose we can talk that about that on next uh, time's episode. Yeah, yeah. Also looking forward to having a couple of weeks off from booking. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to... Uh, match seven on the card. Tournament semi-final match. In the left-hand side of the bracket, it is J-E-F-F-J-A-R-E-T-T versus Triple H. <laughs> Both men have their respective managers of Deborah and Mike Tyson in their corner for this match. After seeing what's happened earlier tonight, the referee has smartened up as Deborah gets on the apron and he's not having any of it as he turns around to see um, turns around to see Jared grabbing the guitar. Deborah runs around to try to grab the guitar off the referee. The referee goes, you're out of here. About time. <laughs> Triple H is then battling against Jared. There's no need for Tyson in this match as he gets the clean pedigree win in around 15 minutes. Match number eight on the pay-per-view. It is the second semi-final match from the right-hand side of the bracket. It is Bruno San Martino versus Bret Hart. Wow, what a matchup. <laughs> uh, good back-and-forth match. Bret is starting to show a bit of his... Uh, Bret is starting to slow down a little bit, considering that he took on Kurt Angle earlier in the night, so his ankle seems to be troubling him a little. 
In the end, he manages to wear down Bruno, turning him over into the sharpshooter, and Bruno taps out for Brett to advance. Man, oh, I love that match. I love it. I never thought about that as a possible dream match before, but now that I've thought about it, I'm like, oh, man, that would be amazing. Yeah. So advancing to the tournament final will be Triple H and Bret Hart. Ooh, loving it. So, co-main event time of the night. Wendy Richter comes down to the ring for a championship match, posing in the ring, grabs the microphone and says, applaud for your undisputed WWF World Women's Champion, Wendy Richter. As the lights go out and the video begins playing, we see the silhouette, silhouette in the locker room. With the, as she begins talking, saying, I make others red with envy. And we slowly see different shots of her. She's got long, dark hair. And then she says, some people say I dance ridiculously. And then we see that she's got long red tights on. And then it says, when it comes to family, I'm number one. And we see a red flannelette, and she walks into the light, and it says, and she says, free mode. <laughs> for the day. For Sorry, the debut, I'm just marking out over here. <laughs> for the debuting, free Bella. Free mode! Now, did you happen to get any of the clues I put out there? Um, in hindsight, I get it now. Okay. But, like, the family thing, uh, um, not quite sure about the dancing thing. So her theme song, it's weird, her theme song is very, um, weird, like the lyrics for a single song. Yeah. Sorry? Oh, Oh, it's like a trance techno dance song, it's weird. Yeah, there it goes free mode, mode, dancing mode. <laughs> I've never even noticed that. That's outrageous. <laughs> um, yeah, so where's my clues? Where I make others red with envy because Brie has worn predominantly red while in WWE and a yeah. reference to the line that would make others blush saying, you can look, but you can't touch. <laughs> Some people say I dance ridiculously, a reference to both Brie Mode, the song itself, and the fact she's been a guest on MTV's Ridiculousness. Oh, man. Man, there's some deep cuts here. And when it comes to family, I'm number one because her sister wears number two on her gear. Yeah, yeah, so... I originally thought it might have been, you know, another member of the family. But then, like, I thought about that line, I'm number one, and I'm like, well, yeah, she, the sister wears number two. Yeah, so I was half onto it, but I wasn't too sure. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you had me fooled. Um. Uh, I'm not going to say who I thought it was when you 
first started this tease at the, on the last episode, but I thought it was someone else, uh, a bit larger of an opponent for Wendy Richter. I did... I did not think last episode that this is where it was going to end up, and I think you've done it very well. So, this is a competitive match, but as it goes on, Wendy is Wendy seems to be unprepared for a debuting Brie Bella, and is caught off guard late in the match by the Bella Shote as Brie pins <laughs> Wendy one two three and new WWF win. Women's champion, Brie Bella. Yes! <laughs> Woo! Uh, Wendy had a great run. Props to her. But is this your first title change? It is indeed, Concer. Yeah. I was, like, worried. Like, oh, man, I, I must be changing the titles too often. Because, like, Chris hasn't changed a single title. Now that you've changed one, I'm going to go nuts. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. But yeah, what do you think of my new finisher? <laughs> the Bella Shote. Um, I love it. So, just a full on like palm strike. Yes. I would love to see Brie Bella do that. But like, you know what? I gave the Ultimate Warrior a tombstone pile driver as a finisher on my show. So by all means, you can give a Shotay to Brie Bella. I love that. You know who has the best Shotay? Uh, cheeseburger? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, new women's champion. Wendy sort of gets up and is helped backstage by the referees as Brie is celebrating in the ring and gold confetti and pyro goes off as we sort of cut to a video of the... um video saying where Raw's coming for the next bump before the main event. Awesome. Yeah, it's usually I do, if I'm doing like a big title crowning or changing, I do it as the last match of the night. Yeah. But um, yeah, with a tournament and where I placed it, I had to, um, I had to save it for there. Yeah, well... So, Originally, I was going to do the Macho Man winning the, winning the hardcore title as my main event until I realized Eddie versus Sean was going to be a banger. So, yeah, uh, I feel your frustrations as a Booker Man. Booker Man? <laughs> yeah, the Booker Man. So, main event of the night. It is Triple H versus Bret Hart for the... Uh, in the fall of the King of the Ring tournament for the vacant WWF Intercontinental Championship, Jim Barnett uh, comes down to the ring, holds the championship aloft, and sits ringside. He's held up two championships tonight. What a lucky man. <laughs> he loves it. Mike Tyson is ringside. Early on, Triple H is down with a referee attending him in the other corner. The referee sees out of the corner of his eye. Tyson tried to slide in a chair. And Tyson, you're out of here. Tyson is ejected, meaning it's going to be a straight one-on-one -on -one match for the remainder of the night. Brett still seems to be having troubles with his ankles as Triple H is trying to work over it the best he can. But he's no match for Brett. Brett wears down Triple H. 
manages to get on the sharpshooter and Triple H taps clean in the center of the ring for your new intercontinental champion, Bret Hart. As we go off the air, more confetti, more pyro. Bret poses. Jim Neidhart runs down and congratulates him, and we go off the air. Love it. Love it. Um, the only thing I wish you did was a weird interaction between the Anvil and Iron Mike. Anvil meets Iron. Yeah, I never clash, I could. A clash of the solids. A clash of the solid elements. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so time for twists, I guess. All right. Uh Look out, my man, because let's go to the video scope. <laughs> um, so I went first reading, so that means you go first for the twisty. Well, this might actually help you out a bit. Hand pick. Non-wrestling free agent. Ooh. Now, if you want a bit of time to think about that, by all means, go ahead. Give me one second. Um, if you want to make it a secret, let me know. So I'll put them all down in here. Yeah, it has to be a non-wrestling free agent. Yeah, uh, I can see two that I'm sort of tossing up between. Yeah. Oh. Um. Okay, I've got it. I'm going to the class of 2009 and choosing Howard Finkel. Man. Oh, man. Yeah. Very good. I like that pick. All right. Come on. Come on. Steal another guy from him. Come on. Lucky day for both of us. Oh. Bugger. Um, I've been trying to get this guy for a while. Uh, if you want to cut out this man's name, I will just inform you right now. WCW selects. All righty. Um, what just a month, one. man. Well, we're we doing an extra one because of the uh, stuff next month. Let's do it. Bugger it. Let's have some fun. Let's go crazy. All right. You might regret me telling you might regret this decision. Yeah, well. Oh, this isn't bad by any means. It's just <laughs> considering what you've already got on your card next month, it might be a bit rough to do unless you altered. Oh, yeah, I see. You could alter a certain match, I think. You've gotten off. You've gotten off really well. So Chris Thunderhog has a, what is it, a month to do a Hell in a Cell match. 
Oh boy. Ah, <laughs> uh, very timely. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> When's that? Like this weekend? Next, Next weekend. Because it's the same as Bam for Glory. Oh. <laughs> So with that being said, hey, what are we doing next time? So next time we are going to just sit down, have a bit of a discussion. Um, You think up of some some questions. I'm actually going to go back and probably listen to all the episodes of this and just sort of take notes about your shows. And I'm going to put you in the hot seat, ask you some questions about your booking, all that sort of thing ask you about any regrets, all that sort of stuff. Um, but at the end of the... At the oh, sorry, brain's turned to mush. Um, and then after we've both grilled each other, put each other in the hot seat, asked all these questions, we will get to sit down and hand out awards for the other person's promotion for the mid-year awards. So, yeah, next next episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going to have our AMA Ask Me Anything mid-year awards, and then the episode after that, we'll get back into it for the second half of the fantasy year, which should be very exciting. Um, I'm genuinely excited about what Chris over here is going to do with the gimmick he just drew. Um, it's better than uh, a lot of lovers I've been given. Anyway, with that being said, what a month. I have loved it. Uh, I think I'm going to lose my voice again after this episode because I was pretty much just raspy voice the entire one hour Iron Man match. So. R.I.P. my vocal cords. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that sort of stuff, at WrestleOzStyle. I, I am at I am... No, that's you. <laughs> I am at Fruity is Alex. He is at I am Chris Thunder. Uh, got any final words for the good humans, my man? Free mode. Free mode. DDP mode. DDP mode.
uh, Brie Bella being the counter booking to Diamond Dallas Page. I love that. 